Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to mystory@toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. A few years ago, for my 40th, well, it's more than a few years ago. Um, <laughs> for my 40th birthday, my wife gave me a surprise party. I was blown away. Some of you may have been there for that. And uh, some dear friends here at Calvary opened up their home, put up a tent in their backyard, even trimmed their tree to get the tent in the backyard. And it was quite a celebration. I was turning 40. Parties. Birthdays, anniversaries, a time to celebrate, a time to rejoice, and that's what parties are for. And today I want to look at a passage in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 5, and we read about an invitation to a party. If you have your Bibles, if you have it in digital form, uh, look at Romans chapter 5, and we're going to begin at verse 3 and read through uh, verse 5. The Apostle Paul says, Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. We're taking a break for a week from First Peter. Pastor Chad and Rhonda are away at a lead pastor's conference. They'll be back with us next Sunday. Uh, in this passage, the Apostle Paul, who wrote the book of Romans under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, lists sufferings as one of the blessings of our salvation. The word sufferings refers to all kinds of troubles that may affect our lives. And the word sufferings can refer to pressure. The pressure of want and need. The pressure of difficult circumstances. The pressure of sorrow and disappointment, the pressure of persecution and unpopularity, the pressure of illness and uncertainty, the pressure of loneliness and despair. And the Apostle Paul challenges us when facing these kind of troubles, these kinds of pressures, we should throw a party. Now that's my interpretation of Romans chapter 5, he says we are to rejoice, to celebrate, for the privilege to suffer. In other words, instead of testifying of the good blessings that God brings our way, our health, our new home, our good kids, our next vacation, I believe Paul says that we are to rejoice and to testify and declare how good God is because we have the privilege to go through trials. Are you kidding me? Seriously. Are you kidding me? To celebrate what I've been through the last year? To rejoice in the disappointment 
that has come my way? Are you kidding me? You see, God's word often challenges us to live lives contrary to what is normal, contrary to what the world dictates that we should live. For example, the Bible says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now that's contrary. (laughs) We read in Ephesians, but among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality. Contrary. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking. The Bible even says to submit to one another out of reverence for Jesus Christ. Oh, here's a good one. This is contrary. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Whatever you do, Colossians says, whether it's work or play, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord and not for men. You will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. Are you kidding me? You see, we often draw a line of distinction assigning the obligations of Christianity to a few like the ones I've just read while keeping the privileges of Christianity for us all. And in the midst of troubles, God assures us that we have his presence. He enables us to depend on him as we grow closer to him. Through tough times, we also gain strength and we become mature as we overcome other difficulties in our lives. And instead of driving us to despair, we just read in Romans (laughs) that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and proven character results in a mature and enduring hope. This sounds reasonable until you receive an invitation to this party. Welcome to the party. And on November the 10th, as many as you know, my family received an invitation to a party. And uh, just a few, a few notes of what happened. My wife was here at the church. She was standing on a, on a chair like this and she was decorating and she fell over. And uh, she fell in such a way that um, the doctor told us that he has never seen a broken arm like this. Uh, most arms that are broken like this uh, are broken through a car accident. And the emergency room told us this is bad. The next morning when the doctor showed up, he said, this is bad. And um, after surgery, the first surgery, one of eight so far, he said, this is bad. Now, in my mind, I'm going, you know, get a cast on the arm. Let's move on. Let's get going. This is bad. After her first surgery, the doctor came to me and said, we had to perform a fasciotomy, which I had no idea what that was, on your wife's arm. That means I had to cut her arm to relieve the tension 
to treat the loss of circulation so that she would not lose her arm. Oh, well, this is bad, isn't it? So for the first two weeks, Romans chapter 5, I was tracking. Because you see, this passage, I know this passage. I can quote it. I can teach it. I'm going to try and preach it today. I have counseled people in my office on this passage. I got this. I am going to persevere. Character is going to ooze out of my being, and I'm going to have this incredible hope because of this suffering that we have the privilege to go through. (laughs) So since November the 10th, a nurse has been coming to our home twice a week to help care for my wife's arm. That first visit was a little alarming for me. My wife was in our bedroom, the nurse came. She unwrapped her arm and I saw her arm for the first time, unwrapped. I had to leave the bedroom. The nurse followed me out into the dining room and she said, are you okay? I said, I had no idea. Her arm is mangled. I had no idea. Perseverance, I don't care. Character, I don't want it. Hope, it's gone. And so, Romans chapter 5 in the last three months has taken on a whole different (laughs) meaning. And not only was I disappointed in receiving the invitation to this party, I was really disappointed in my response to this invitation. Here's a reality. Adversity always reintroduces a man to himself. A few months ago, Uh, In fact, it was the Sunday after the accident. Pastor Keith did a wonderful job in preaching a message on suffering. And um, if you don't mind, we're going to talk again about suffering today. Uh, We see here in Romans chapter 5, the value of suffering. The first value that we see here is that suffering produces perseverance. You know, very often when I think of perseverance, you probably do as well, uh, I think of a long-distance runner. A long-distance runner comes to my mind. Determination, unwavering, eyes fixed on that finish line. And in our context today, uh, perseverance can be best defined as steadfast endurance fortitude. And I've always been impressed with those who have this this level of perseverance, this commitment to perseverance. No matter what the challenge or the cost, they persevere. And a great example of a man who has persevered, obviously, is the Apostle Paul, who wrote Romans chapter 5. In reviewing his life for God, Paul, in writing to his apprentice, Timothy, knows that his death is approaching. He sees himself coming to the end of his race, which has taken him on a difficult course. He writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, verse 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And through it all, Paul had had fought the fight, fight. He had held firmly to his faith in times of severe testing and suffering. Today, a lot of the passages from scripture that we will look at 
our writings from uh, Paul. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Look at what Paul has to say about his life. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty four. Paul says, five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all of the churches. And for many of us, when we read that, we go, well, man, he was the Apostle Paul. He was the biblical superhero. But he was a man. But he persevered and he moved forward. And despite our trials and troubles, we must stay in the race, keep running, and persevere. We must serve wholeheartedly and give our entire lives to Christ and be a faithful runner in the race. Amen? Absolutely. Kind of a cheesy statement but it fits so well. Go over, go under, go around, or go through, but never give up. Never, never stop running. Again, we're challenged by the writings of the Apostle Paul. He says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 7, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? Paul knew the struggles of running in this race. That's why he wrote this statement in Galatians. He knew how hard it would be to persevere. He also knew that trials and troubles, if we are not careful, could cause us to stop running and drop out of this great race. Many times that has happened. He warns us to stay committed to the truth of God's word and be careful that we do not adhere to false teaching. You see the very trials and troubles that God wants to use to transform us more into his image are often what causes many to drop out of the race. May that not happen to you. There are a lot of great starters in this race, but not as many great finishers. There are a lot of great starters in this race, but not as many great finishers. There is a teaching that states that followers of Christ like you and I should not go through trials and tribulations. That is false teaching. The New Testament teaches over and over again that we will have struggles and those struggles are designed to help us become more like Christ as we persevere. We read over and over in the Old Testament of godly men and women who went through difficult times and God's purpose was fulfilled in their lives as they persevered. Perseverance is often our greatest revenge 
and hell. Now I know it's a, I mean that's, help me out. Amen. (laughs) Perseverance is often our greatest revenge on hell. Perseverance is one of the greatest and most maturing principles that any of us can pursue. So, Romans chapter 5 is right. Only through trials and trouble can we really learn what it means to persevere. So therefore, we celebrate. Secondly, we read, suffering produces character. Here's a question. Is good character an an outdated, useless pursuit that has little uh, relevance in modern society today? Of course not. God's word is very clear that through our lives, we are to develop character. Character determines our destiny. What is character? Here's a very uh, simple illustration. The surest way to know the character of a man is to watch how he treats those who can do nothing for him. In our context today, character can be seen as tested value. Tested value. You've heard of Job, right? Job We always refer to Job when we're going through a trial or a tough time. And Job said this about his trials. Job 23, verse 10. When he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Tested value. In other words, when passed passed through the fire, all of the dross, all that extra stuff is burned out of our lives. This refining process removes all the extra stuff that doesn't belong there. Do you have extra stuff that doesn't belong there? It gets burned out (laughs) through the trials that we go through as character is developed within us. And this can only take place as we persevere through trials and suffering. Aren't you glad you came to church today? (laughs) When trials and troubles are met with perseverance out of the battle, a person emerges stronger, purer, better, and nearer to God. Amen? I'm very cautious with this topic today because we do not celebrate the loss of a loved one or the abuse or the mistreatment that may have happened to you. Absolutely not. However, we do celebrate the life-changing work of transformation that the Holy Spirit can do in our lives as a result of the trial, amen? Some of our trials are due to poor choices, are due to the sin in our lives, and that's a whole other sermon, but we still can walk through Romans 5, even at that point. When we stand in the presence of God, all material possessions will have been left behind, 
but all that we have gained by way of trials and trouble will remain. The Apostle Paul explains that so well in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Listen carefully. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So what do we do? We fix our eyes on what is, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. That is a huge word of promise for us. For this reason, we must not lose hope or give up our faith as a result of our struggles. While the things we see and experience in this life may at times be hard to understand, they are only temporary and they will come to an end. Pain is temporary. Character is permanent. It's hard, I know. There is no easy way around it. It's just plain hard. Pain is temporary. Character is permanent. Since it is, shouldn't we celebrate when character is being developed as a result of our troubles. Last night as I was preparing, <laughs> I said, now Lord, don't let me have to practice anymore that I've already practiced this message after I preach it. <laughs> Seriously, I did. It's, it's been a, a, rough, a rough couple of days. We've had a couple good steps forward this week and then this weekend took a couple steps back. So I'm like, okay God. <laughs> I'm there with you. But here is the third value of suffering. Suffering produces hope. The hope that Paul is referring to is not just a pious wish. It does not disappoint because this hope is coupled with the love of God. Human love may bring disappointment and frustration but not the love of God. Why? Let's go back to Romans 5. Let's go and look at verses 1 and 2 before we get to verse 3. Look at what we read here. Paul says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. You see, hope in this passage is the confidence, despite the trial, despite the problem, despite the trouble, that you and I are walking through, we have complete access to a loving, kind, and caring God. You see, before Christ came, God was utterly untouchable. No one could have a life-changing relationship with him. 
When Christ gave his life on the cross, he became that ultimate sacrifice for our sins, which enables you and I to have this connection with God, to stand righteous and clean before him. And because we have that kind of relationship, that gives us peace. That's why the world is in such a mess. They don't have that peace. They don't understand that they can be made right before a holy God. They don't understand that they can then have access to a God that loves them, that cares for them. The reality of all of this, this understanding, will give us hope. But here's the challenge. In the midst of a trial, it's hard to remember that. It's hard to remember that you are justified, that I've been made right, that I can have this peace, that I have access to the throne of God, that I have this grace. It gets kind of foggy in there. And that's why we have to make sure we get back to God's word, to his promises. So because of that, Paul says, therefore, we can celebrate, we can rejoice, justification, peace, Access and grace are available no matter what struggle or trial we face. Hope never abandons you. You abandon it. The hope of God will never disappoint. Many times when going through trials and suffering, we often compare it to a storm. And so I want to talk a little bit about getting through the storms of life. And these four principles are not profound. They're very simple. They're very basic. Uh, Here's the first one. How do we get through the storms of our lives? Number one, God is closer than you think. God is closer than you think. I want to go to the New Testament story of Jesus. We see this in Mark chapter 4. This story is recorded in three of the four Gospels the story of the storm on the Sea of Galilee. Verse 35, let me read. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. Jesus had been teaching near the Sea of Galilee, and afterwards he wanted to take a break and go to the other side. He also wanted some rest, and while in the boat, a terrible storm developed on the sea. The Calvary team that went to Israel a few weeks ago, we learned that the Sea of Galilee is 13 miles long, 7 miles wide, and within 5 minutes the weather can change on the sea. So that's what's happening here. And in this story on the Sea of Galilee, the disciples began to panic and fear that they were going to lose their lives because of this furious storm that had come up. But they forgot that just a few feet away, the Son of God was just right there. Fear, doubt, questions, worry, obviously fill our lives in the midst of a storm. And we forget that Jesus 
is closer than we think. I want to show a few pictures of the Sea of Galilee. Can we look at the first one? Um, the sea, this, this picture will be at Capernaum. Capernaum is where Jesus began his ministry, the home of the apostle Peter. And so there is a statue of Peter. Uh, on, on this rock I will build my church, it says there. And so overlooking the Sea of Galilee. Uh, the next picture... Pastor Chad is doing a, a teaching with our team there, just right. Uh, it's kind of like a little hill that comes up from the sea, and we are, are enjoying uh, the teaching and the scenery. The next picture. Oh, a little lunch from the Sea of Galilee. Um, are you hungry yet? Not now, huh? Okay. The next picture. Um, this is a boat that they discovered about 25 years ago that they pulled up from the sea. Uh, they believe that it was one of the fishermen's boats of, of 2,000 years ago. Just a phenomenal uh, thing uh, to look at. The next slide. Uh, that evening, uh, we were able to take a, uh, a cruise uh, on the sea in, in, a, in a boat, and it was cool because... I don't know, Jerusalem was cool, and I enjoyed uh, seeing where Jesus walked and, and being on the steps of the temple where he taught and where he preached. But I don't know, the Sea of Galilee, I kept thinking, he walked on this sea. <laughs> he helped Peter walk on that sea. He calmed this sea. So that was just really cool for me. Um, now the last picture... Um, not because you need to see how I look on the Sea of Galilee, but um, when Pastor Chad was finished teaching, he said, I want you all to find a place and just take a moment and spend some time with the Lord. And so, um, you know, I was a little bumming, to be honest. My wife was supposed to go on this trip, and she couldn't, and I was missing her, and I was touching base to make sure things were okay at home, and, and she did fine, and the night before I called her, and um, she had shared some news with me that was a little disappointing, so I was just a little bummed, and I was like, I'm on the edge of the sea there, and I got my head bowed, and I said, dear Lord, another interruption here. I, know, I mean, you know, come on, what is going on? And I looked up, I looked out into the Sea of Galilee, and if you see the, the two mountains, hills are coming down. And I saw this clear passageway. See that? Do you see that or is it just me? Okay, you see it? All right, good. Because if you don't see it, it doesn't matter. God spoke to my heart anyway. So, uh, <laughs> and at that time, I felt like God said, you know what, Bill? I will make a way where there seems to be no way. It doesn't always happen overnight. You can take the picture down now. It, it's, there's still questions, there's still doubt, but here's the principle. God never promised we will never see a storm in life. Rather, he promised that he'll be with us in the storm all the time. Secondly, how do we get through the storms of life? God is faithful to his promise. I'm sorry, number two is this. God can handle your questions. Look at the question the disciples asked Jesus on this boat. Uh, verse 38, 
the disciples woke him up and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? (laughs) What a question. You know, this story is so cool because it reveals the humanity of Christ. Jesus was tired. He needed to rest. He needed to take a nap. You see, Christ's humanity is part of what qualifies him to be our merciful intercessor between God the Father. He understands us, and he understands our struggles. And again, notice the question the disciples asked. Jesus, don't you even care? Have you ever asked that question? Do you want to know the questions I've asked the last three months? Oh, no, you don't. (laughs) I'm not going to tell you. Romans chapter 8, verse 35. Again, the Apostle Paul says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Absolutely not. Our sufferings, the storms of our lives, even our questions, do not separate us from Christ. Those who are faithful to him can never get beyond the reach of his love. Number three, you're not going to like this one. Submit yourself to the process. The process of of Romans chapter 5. Rejoice. Remember, you are a child of God despite the trial. Persevere. Keep your eyes on the prize and do not look back. Character. Allow the Holy Spirit to transform you into that man, woman, person, He is longing you to become, and probably the only way you can become that person is through this trial. And then hope. It will be worth it all. There's an old song we used to sing. I mean, old song. I won't sing it. I'm tempted to, but I'm not going to. No, but I'll tell you the words. It will be worth it all. When we see Jesus, all trials will seem so small. When we see Christ, one glimpse of his dear face, all trials will erase. So greatly run the race till we see Christ. Amen? Psalm chapter 32, verse 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. I've been praying that verse for the last three weeks over my life. I need your counsel, God. Instruct me, teach me, show me, help me. And then number four, getting through the storms of life. Go there, but don't stay there. It's okay to go there. I mean, you have to. Psalm chapter 88 is considered the saddest of all the Psalms. The writer had suffered much. He feels that he is facing death and that God has rejected him. He is depressed and is without hope. Look at verses one and two. He says, O Lord, the God who saves me day and night, I cry 
out before you. May my prayer come before you. Turn your ear to my cry. And then verses 14 and 18, why, O Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? You have taken my companions and loved ones from me. The darkness is my closest friend. It's okay to struggle. It's okay to wonder. Again, we see this all throughout scripture with so many champions, heroes of the faith. They eventually got up from having themselves flat on the floor and begin to persevere and move forward. However, sometimes going there is just the beginning of the healing process. I've asked Matt Hammett to join me now back on the platform. Two weeks ago, I was driving to church and I had the radio on. And Matt's new single came on the radio. It's called Tears. And I drove to church listening to this song, and I said, oh, my goodness, what an appropriate song for us to think about today. And so um, I've asked Matt to come and share that with us. Um, Many of you know uh, the unique journey Matt and Sarah Hammond have been on uh, with their uh, son, Bowen who has a very severe heart condition even today. Your dear boy is in the hospital uh, in Ann Arbor, had a rough weekend. And um, Matt, can you, can you share the song Tears? How, how, how did that come to be? Yeah, so uh, first of all, I do want to thank everybody uh, at Calvary here. We got so many people texting us and messaging us uh, about Bowen. Um, and he's doing really well. We're, we're going home good, today. Good, so. good. Um, I wouldn't be here if, if he wasn't. <laughs> so, as much as I love Pastor Bill, I probably would still be there if he wasn't doing well. So he's doing good. Um, but Tears, um, I wanted to write a song for this new album that really enveloped the feeling of releasing our emotion through the God-given gift of tears. Um, it's that washing, cleansing experience. Um, I, I have a friend, um, really close friend from Nashville, who says, um, <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I'm going to say it anyways. <laughs> we'll try <laughs> <He> this. Said, <laughs> he says, you can't sweat it out. He says, you can't pee it out, is what he says. <clears throat> it has to come through your eyes. Mm-hmm. That's the way God designed it. That's the way he made it. And so uh, it's a mystery. But I think that so many of us are... Um, trying to process life either in different ways uh, than God intended or we don't process it at all. And as God gives us, you know, I I always think of Job's reply, if, you know, shall we not receive just, well, should we just receive the good from God and not adversity is what he says. You know, we have to receive both. And, um, And receiving is an act. It's not just a passive thing. Passivity is, is, uh, is, is one of the most, I think, disgusting things in life when we're just passive because it it ruins our relationships. It keeps us from experiencing things that we were meant to experience. Um, As God lays things before us, whether they're gifts we want to open or not open, (laughs) opening these things, you know, uh, these packages that that life brings us is is an active thing. 
And it's meant to be an involved thing. And when it's joy, we're meant to be invested in the joy. Right. We're meant to be invested in the process. We're meant to receive that. And when it's hardship, we're meant to be invested in the process. We're meant to, as, as Pastor Bill just said, to embrace that journey, be part of it, get involved in it, and, and allow it, embrace the journey of it. And so that really was what the song was meant for, was I want to poke at those things that you don't want to open up. Because they're still piling up your doorstep. And they're not going to go away. The only way to get rid of them <laughs> or to work through them is to open them and process. And, and, um, and so there's some people who need to walk through some of those things. So I'm praying that today, maybe for some of you, this will be the beginning of a healing process of the struggles that you've been walking through, either recently or at some point in your life. And so Matt, would you uh, share your song Tears with us today?
Thanks, Matt. Again, sometimes going there is the beginning of the healing process. And Matt, um, I'm going to share in just a moment, just in the last three months, some things that I have learned when walking through trials. We could probably talk all day, <laughs> but take a moment and share with us. Your family has been through quite a lot in the last seven years. I remember um, when... Um, you got the news, and I even remember the night, I believe it was after Bowen was born, your mom called me about four in the morning and said, this does not look good. And so it's been quite a journey. Um, what have you and your family learned? <laughs> yeah, you know, um, for us, I, well, I remember the night you're talking about when my mom called when Bowen was born, and we thought that we were losing him. Um, and, and then just a couple nights ago, uh, it's crazy. Even though he's doing well right now, um, man, a couple nights ago, I think we thought the same thing. Like, this, this could be it, you know? Um, in that moment, just kind of his, uh, his breathing and his heart rate getting away from him. And uh, thank God for the people who helped us there. Um, but yeah, in those moments, actually, that moment now, the other night, looked way different than the moment a few years back. Because back then, I didn't know how to process and handle grief. And Sarah and I didn't know how to grieve together and allow each other, um, I guess, the grace to accept and be accepted in the ways that we grieve, even though they were so different. And I think I learned what it meant to actually journey together, not just with Sarah, but also friends, to allow that process. Because back then, it's like, hey, how you doing? Oh, good, good, good. And it's like you hold it at an arm's length. And that affected the entire way that I treated Sarah, that I treated my kids, that I treated other people through the process. Um, because I just, there was the degree of separation of not wanting to be invested in it. And now um, I look back and maybe, you know, I, obviously we don't want these things to happen, but through this experience, I've seen very clearly that this is, that I've learned the process <laughs> now of being able to come together with Sarah and to be able to talk and grieve and engage in the things that need to be dealt with as they come to us and not hold them away at an arm's length. And so, and then even just receive, receiving from other people, you know, before be like, hey, what do you need? No, not, oh, nothing, nothing. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's like now it's able to receive and say, thank you so much for walking with me. Thank you for blessing me 
um, and learning how to do the same for others, to be able to just show up for people, not to do that whole, you know, um, hey, how do I, you know, if you need anything, you let me know, <laughs> you know, and, and we all do that. And sometimes it's appropriate. But with the people who are closest to you, sometimes you just need to literally jump in. You don't ask what you just do. Right. And wow. uh, and so, um, like, for example, we just had friends yesterday. They were like, hey, we are bringing you dinner. We'll be there at five. And it's like, wow, that's that's awesome. And we're learning how to do that, how to jump in, really jump in, unafraid to walk and journey in joy and in grief. And um, the blessings of that journey are are incredible when you can embrace it. So, man, you you really reinforce the things that I've learned in the last three months. And uh, um, we didn't talk about this, but... uh, you know, Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. You know, it's not good what happens, but God can bring good if we allow him to. And you share that a little bit, Matt. But uh, what I've learned, uh, and, and Matt, you highlight this, I am more in love with the gift of God that God gave to me and my wife Good times are good. The bad times can be good too. And it has been, and I am not the hero here, but it's been a privilege for me to love and serve and wait on my wife in a way I never dreamed I would have to do. So I'm thankful for that. What attracted me to my wife years ago was her beautiful spirit. And after a couple appointments, her surgeon said to my wife, your beautiful spirit has humbled me. Okay, God, we'll be a witness as best as we can. And Matt, you highlighted this as well. The family of God is really a family. See, we're the family of God, the church. And in this setting, I want to take a moment and say thank you, Calvary, for being an amazing church. The meals, I've gained weight, thank you. The desserts, the treats, the cards, the gifts, the errands, the concern, the love, the support, the Facebook posts, the prayers. We don't have family in town. You're it. You've been amazing. Thank you. And then here is something else that I've learned to appreciate. A spoken prayer is meaningful and powerful. And what I mean by that is, I know a lot of us may struggle with praying aloud. I'm going to ask you, if that's a struggle, ask God to help you work through that. Because you will never know when you will be used by God to pray for someone who needs to hear not just I'm praying for you, which is so, so special, but when they need to hear you pray for them at that time and at that moment. Begin to take steps of faith to move in that direction. Do not allow your fear, your what am I going to say. All you have to do is be genuine and sincere. I can't tell you how much it meant to us when people would drop off a meal 
they would kneel at my wife's feet pray for her. Someone said to us, I'm not good at this, so let's go. I'm going to try. You know how meaningful that was? Take the initiative. Step out in faith and let's be the body of Christ so that we can bring ministry to one another. Amen. Would you stand with me today? And Matt, I'm going to ask if you would just um, close us in prayer today. Here's the thought. Allow today to be a day when you begin to walk through the process of celebrating, walking through the process of of persevering, allowing God's character be developed in you, and then begin the joy of living with hope because of the struggles that you've been privileged to live with. Amen? Matt, would you lead us? Father, we thank you um, that you love us. And even though um, sometimes... (laughs) Jesus, you stand on the waves in crazy places and ask us to walk. Um, Man, I thank you that when we keep our eyes on you, Jesus, that we can walk. We can walk through it. And Father, I I, I ask, Lord, by the power of your son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit that you've given us, that today you would allow us to receive um, and walk with others in this God-given gift of celebrating, and then also the gift of mourning and sorrow, God. Joy yes. comes, comes through that, God. Joy comes in the morning after the suffering and sorrow. God, there's both in this life, and this life is the only opportunity we have in the short breath of life before the eternity of heaven to worship through adversity. And I ask that we would worship well. God, in joy and in adversity, that we would accept both from you, the good and the bad. God, that we would walk and steward the things you've given us, Lord. And in that, not only just receive those gifts for ourselves, but walk with others as they journey. God, enable us to use our hands and our feet and our words and our gifts to minister to those around us. We are the church. We are your body, Lord Jesus. And we just pray that your love would just envelop us. And that in that love, we would envelop each other. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Your precious name. What a beautiful name. Jesus. Amen.